When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of A Fistful of Collars. I've been having trouble saying that the last couple of days, so I don't know what it is. I've had a cold, my sciences are playing up, and everything comes out like a, f- a fistful, a fistful of collars. A fistful of collars, the Flow Grappling Podcast, the one that you like every single week here from the Flow Grappling HQ studio. Myself, Hal Teague, Reed Connell, and Chase Smith at the table What's here. Up, and Chase Smith. Dissect As some always. of the... Uh, current affairs the goings on and to talk about some cool stuff that's been happening here at Flow Grappling as well because it's um, something of the off season right now right kind of like should we say it's like a, a post ADCC lull almost like the ADCC fever has died down somewhat now and there's that moment where you okay there it's to come down I can't lean forward guys my, my <laughs> shoulders messed up so I think I'm just gonna be like an interviewer back here we're well, gonna make a lot of noise I'm with your mic so talk. leave it there just lean, lean forward when you can okay. that's, yeah so <laughs> maybe we'll get you a special <laughs> Sounds uh, good. Perfect. get you a special headset so just for you what's wrong Chase what happened Fuck wrestling. <laughs> that, oh, that's, dear. that's what happened. Uh, <laughs> nah, just trying, trying to get that ADCC vibe, keep it going, and uh, I definitely got destroyed and hurt my shoulder. We're all collectively trying to improve our wrestling. After, uh, you guys can speak for yourself. ADCC, we're like, man, we need some better wrestling. I'm so. not, I'm not wrestling. That shit's hard work. Yeah, yeah. So that's where you found out it's tough. Yes, I've, I was reminded. I do this about twice a year where I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's try wrestling again. And then I, I leave home crippled and say, okay, I'm going to leave that. Leave that Back to jujitsu we go. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. So It is hard work, right? Like Nicky Ryan was not kidding when he said, you know, wrestling sucks. It is really, really tough. There's so much like getting down on the floor and then standing back up and then going down on the floor again and then standing back up and then like it's just a lot of up and down <laughs> <laughs> funny that you just go on the, you just lay on the ground and just and, and, stay just, and you just come, land, come just into my guard yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the best why, it's why jujitsu is great for lazy people yeah right yeah. but wrestling so what you guys you guys been training wrestling with Mike Mallory right? Mike from the wrestling team here that's right, from Behind the Dirt fame, uh, Flow Wrestling's uh, standout, Mike Mal is our, our wrestling coach over at Paragon Jiu-Jitsu here in Austin. He, it's awesome, man, because he, he's not just a straight-up wrestling coach where we have to do everything you know, in a traditional way. He's very tuned into Jiu-Jitsu and MMA, and so we kind of tailor the training to, to being good at those sports as well. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing about Mike, right? He has a lot of experience working with people who... Uh, came to him looking to add wrestling to you know for for other reasons so for example mma fighters and so on so uh he doesn't doesn't just teach you kind of like standard wrestling stuff you know adapts it well for the submission wrestling game right man he's he is good mike mal get to wrestle with him like you said every week and and he is just like he's so elusive Mm. on the feet and he's he's got like perfect position it's great when you go on with wrestlers who just like are never out of position it makes me Makes me want want to do that more. Better. It's really technical, <laughs> you know. Um, you look at two guys learning how to wrestle, and it looks just kind of like two wild animals going after it. But Mike doesn't work that hard, you know. He's just in yeah. position, as Reed says, and, Works and smart, not hard. makes you 
go out of position really well with very simple looking movements that are just super technical. It's fun to watch, not so fun to do, I, I would say. And of course, Mike hails from none of that New Jersey. The, the, Dagestan. the Dagestan of the United States of America. Represents it well, yes. <laughs> wow. Such a rich grappling culture there in New Jersey. Those guys, they're, they're brought up rough, you know. They, they, they definitely you know, fight their way up from the bottom in New Jersey, right? <laughs> no, I, it's, the, it's the craziest thing. I, like, I feel like we talked about this on the podcast before, but you got like JT Torres is from Jersey. Nicky Rodriguez is from Jersey. The Ryan brothers are from Jersey. Mikey Musumeshi is Gary from Tonon. Jersey. Gary Tonin is from New Jersey. And a ton of other guys that, you know, we're just overlooking as well. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. you know, Tom DeBlas and his Tom entire DeBlas. crew. There's huge associations of, of people. New Jersey's a big place as well, right? So, you know, Not as big what's as going on? It's smaller than California. True. <laughs> Those East Coasters, they like the scrap. <laughs> Nicely done, Reed. Good yeah. fact. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in there. Real quick, just make sure everybody's on the same page. <laughs> yeah. But uh, speaking of the Dagestan of, uh, of, of jiu-jitsu, uh, it's kind of interesting, right? Because we did this article last week where we, we looked at Manaus in Brazil, which is the, uh, the city there in the middle of the Amazonian jungle, right on the banks of the Amazon River, and this incredible city that has produced more jiu-jitsu champions than anywhere else from Brazil. Just this uh, incredible lineage of, of, of guys going all the way back to like Saulo Ribeiro, Ronaldo Jacare, right through to the current generation of guys like Matias Gabriel, current world champion, and then others coming through the ranks like Talison Suarez, Diego Pato, Manuel Hibamar. It's um, it sounds pretty wild, right? I don't know about you guys. I'm, I've never been because Brazil's huge. So when I lived in Brazil, I was like, you know, Rio de Janeiro, and I used to travel around there. And, and Manaus is a four-hour flight from Rio. That's kind of how far it is. It's a big old place. But um, it seems that there's something in the water there too, right? Man, just Brazil in general, I feel like. But, um, yeah, I think um, right the um, Hibero brothers are from there. So I actually remember um, Saulo and Shanji's dad. I met him one time uh, at ADCC in the hotel one time. And he was telling me that apparently Saulo was, was born somewhere else. But he was kind of raised in Manaus. I think Shanji was born in Manaus because hmm. um, they moved around a lot with his with his work. But uh, but they pretty much were kind of you know sort of raised there, and that's where they got their start with jujitsu. Before they both went down to Rio de Janeiro and started training with Hoyler Gracie at the old Gracie Maita and stuff. So yeah, we hear that there's just like a a jujitsu gym on every corner. We, Chase has talked about it for a while, going down there and, and doing something in Manaus. I've always wanted to go going to. Um, Meninger Ice there um, just a few months ago. Which currently is like probably one of the best producers for talent as well mm. in Brazil, right? Look mm. at the guys who come out of there. Yeah, I mean, that's where, you know, Felipe and the big Gracie Baja contingent over there. You have Homolo is from there as well, and Gabriel Arges, and Servio Tulio, and Felipe Pena. So, yeah, a lot of big Gracie Baja names have, have come out of um, um, Belo Horizonte right there. So, I you know, I felt like going there, going to restaurants and stuff like that. I met a couple other jiu-jitsu black belts. I went into just like a random restaurant. We were just trying to find food, you know, and and preferably people, somebody who could speak a little bit of English because my Portuguese is not very good at all. And this guy immediately came running up to me to me because I had like a jiu-jitsu t-shirt on. And he was like, hey, you do jiu-jitsu, you know, he like immediately. And he was just this, this random restaurant owner. And uh, he, he, had, he knew Caesar. Casamaggio oh, yeah, and, of course. and Caesar's, cool. Caesar's yeah. from Battle Horizonte as well. Caesar um, lives in Hawaii now, Caveira, right? That's right, that's mm -hmm. right. 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 Yep, yep. 
So um, yeah, yeah, that uh, that region is cool. But but uh, you know, from what I hear, Manaus is even even more densely populated with jujitsu. He's even more kind of um, st- has a more storied history in in the jujitsu. Well, so. they say there's nothing else to do there. That's what <laughs> what, what Shanji <laughs> yeah. and Salo always have told told people is that there's not soccer's not as big like football or soccer, whatever you want to call it. It's not a big deal out there, and they just fight. It's just a f- combat sports kind I, of place. I heard as well that in Manaus they have like a, a kind of their own tournaments because Manaus is not a rich city either so the guys from Manaus very few of them managed to make it out and that that includes even going to other places inside Brazil because um, I remember once I was looking at it out of curiosity I think there was a tournament in Manaus that I was considering going to and I checked and the flights were actually really really expensive and um, I ended up not going but I, I've heard that it's it's tough for the guys to get out of Manaus to go to other places to compete because most of the big tournaments are held in like Rio Sao Paulo places like that right and uh, apparently when they have like the local tournaments in, in Manaus they get like 3,000 guys show up to compete it's huge like the sport is really really big there but um, yeah you'd go there and you probably wouldn't recognize 99% of the guys who are competing but they're all murderers mm. they're all absolute killers yeah we, we were getting we were telling um, Eduardo tell us about, mm. our, about our idea to go out there and he didn't think it was a very good idea he, he, <laughs> he laughed at us like why would you do that yeah. to yourself <laughs> <laughs> he didn't love the idea <laughs> I, I heard that Manaus is not a bad place you know there are good and bad parts everywhere in Brazil and you know you can from one block to the next but uh, Manaus is definitely on the, the rougher end of the scale in, in, in terms of Brazil it's less Less. It's a it's a big city of like two or three million people, but it's definitely a little bit less developed and less cosmopolitan. So, if you went as a gringo, especially, you know, you'd stand out. And um, our own Ricardo Amendolia, actually, I believe, holds the distinction for being the first ever gringo to compete in a jiu-jitsu tournament in Manaus. Oh, that's so bad. And I believe it win wh- win exactly yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I think it was when he was like a blue purple belt, something like that. So it's pretty cool. That's dope. So yeah. is he basically from Manaus now? Pretty like much, yeah. Well, he has family there now as well, so that's sure, uh, that's sure. really cool. He's been back and forth to train there a lot. But you look at the guys who came out of Manaus, and uh, like I say, you know, Ronaldo Jacare, uh, Ari Farias is from Manaus. Um, yeah, Talison Suarez, uh, he's you know poised to do big things at black belt. Um, Got Hibamar in there. Yeah, Hibamar is from Manaus, and uh, Diego Pato. Yeah, this um, I'm, I'm I'm blanking real quick because there was some one other big name I was going to mention. Of course, we mentioned Mateus Gabriel, who just won the uh, the black belt world title in this year at Worlds uh, 2019 IBJJF World Champion. Is that Miguel Galvao? That's Manaus. it. That's what I was going to say. So thank you, Chase, for queuing me up. Um, so Mikael Michael Galvao, let's call him Michael. Uh, Michael Galvao is the 16 year old juvenile blue belt, or maybe 15 year old, 15 16 year old blue belt, who. Uh, who, whose dad actually, uh, Melky Galvao, is um, is running or has run a, a very very strong team there in Manaus for a long time, and um, you know Jujutsu's in the family. I believe that he has a daughter that trains as well, and his daughter spent a lot of time training and uh, living with Cabrinha in Los Angeles. She's a little bit older, but um, but but Michael coming through the ranks and um, he held the distinction of um, much like some other standout juveniles we've seen like guys like Roberto Jimenez and, and people like that that he became notorious because he actually beat black belts while he was still a color belt teenager I think he was uh, maybe still a green belt or had just got his blue belt and um, was 15 and he actually tapped out a black belt and they put out a call uh, it was Copa Podio in Brazil. They tried getting a black belt to face off with Galvao because Galvao has just destroyed pretty much every kid who's been put in front of him. Because it's just, 
he's that far ahead of everybody else, you know? So they were like, okay, let's get him some tough matches. And nobody wanted to fight him because it's like, well, it's a lose-lose situation. If I go out there as a black belt and I beat this 15-year-old blue belt, of course I'm supposed to do that. But if I lose, I'm going to look really, really bad. So one black belt, credit to him, I don't know who, his, don't know who he is or his name, but I guess a local guy from Manaus stepped up and he took the match with Michael and he got armbarred. But I guess pride kicked in and he didn't want to tap out to a blue belt, so he got his arm broke. Michael right. Gavo broke his arm. Like, ugh, disgusting. Ultimately, a worse outcome than just tapping, <laughs> I well, would say. You know the crazy, crazy thing that, that has recently been announced is that, so we've mentioned about how nobody wants to fight this kid. So Copa Podio put out a call and they found somebody to take him on. A black belt from Dagestan. Yes. The actual Dagestan. Not the not the American Dagestan, not the Brazilian Dagestan, the actual the Dagestan of Dagestan. And um this guy's name is I bet there is um, a Dagestan of Dagestan. (laughs) It probably is. Like a really like like, like, one neighborhood. His uh his name I gotta get this right now is Magomed. Of course it is, it's Magomed. Um Oh man, it's a it's a tough one to pronounce. Let me make sure I'm getting it right. Is that a photo of him with a lion in his lap? Yes, it is. It's a photo of him with a lion cub in his in his lap. I'm a big fan of this guy already. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Classic, classic lion cub. Abdul, Abdul Kadyrov Magomed, or Magomed Abdul. These are just things you gotta do when you go to Dagestan. I guess so. Yeah. Let me see if I can. uh, Can you? uh, Can you see that, guys? Get that right there. That is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. For now. <laughs> yeah. That that's just an average house cat in Dagestan. <laughs> People have like lion cubs and stuff. So Magomed, uh Abdul Kadarov Magomed is uh or however you say his name, is um yeah. He's actually legit as well. He's an ADCC veteran. I remember he competed twenty fifteen ADCC in Brazil. Mm. Beat Ben Henderson. Tough. And then Sounds lost like to Eddie guy. Cummings, I think. But yeah, no, super tough. Incredibly tough. Uh but yeah. Nobody else wanted to take on that 15-year-old, so they had to fly a guy in from Russia to do Man, it. Man, these, you know, we, we talk about a lot, but yeah, I, I wouldn't want to fight any of these 15-year-olds coming up either, you know? There's so many these days that have just been doing it for, for so long that just look like absolute killers out there. And yeah, Michael's definitely one of those guys who's just buzzsawing through whatever belt you got on, on your waist. These kids are scary nowadays, right? Any kids in particular you guys kind of been, uh, been watching lately? Okay, that puts you on a list right there, Hal, that phrase. But, um, for me, uh, we've been big fans of, of Colabate for a long time. You know, he's from from Texas, and I moved out to, to go train at AOJ. And Good move, those right? Guys. Yeah, I mean, they have one of the best youth squads uh, anywhere in the world, you could say, and they're really, really devoted almost to, to building up, you know, young athletes, and I think it's a, a smart move. But he's just a killer. He finishes everyone. That's the one thing I love about a lot of these young athletes that we're talking about is maybe it's because there is maybe a disparity in, in competition, but they all finish people relentlessly. Mm. It's not like they're playing, you know, strategy and tactics out there that they're just killing everyone. So that makes it fun to watch. Got a really good profile piece on him and uh, the other kind of the new face of AOJ who came in around the same time, and that's Gustavo Ogawa. Mm. And these are uh, these are the new pet projects from uh, Guy Mendez, the, the two green belts that he's going to, 
he's just got his hands on them now you know they're kind of in the gym with him full time and you know he's ready to mold them into fearsome competitors and unleash them on the jiu-jitsu world look how how Tynan and Mateus and uh, Jonathan have turned out there you you go exactly yeah the the results speak for themselves right but you're gonna say we're talking about uh, blue belts fighting black belts we got we got this crazy one coming up here pretty soon all right i think this is official it is got, official okay. we can talk about it yeah okay. yeah you got uh tyra tolo oh, yeah, versus wagner hosha talking about blue belts fighting black belts um that one kind of blows my mind uh big ups to to wagner for taking that one because like seth said i'm sure <laughs> he had a hard time finding somebody to uh to step on the mats with ty especially after his performance at adcc can I you believe like that <laughs> that is uh, sorry i cut you off but can you believe that that there's like an over 20-year age gap in that match. <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal. I feel like people are forgetting ADCC just a month ago. And it's like, right. why, why has this match been made? Why is this happening? Ty almost broke Polo Meow's leg. Like, <laughs> yep. he's game. He's yeah. really, really damn yeah. good. He, he, had, yeah. uh, he had Kennedy and Paolo in the d- deep DOS chokes as well, exactly. right? Exactly. I, I, this is no beat Bruno Frisato, He beat the uh, Pablo uh, Mantovani. Bronze, bronze medalist. ADCC yeah. bronze medalist in, in Bruno. Uh, so. And he's 16. 16 years old. Ty is 16 years of age. I'm not sure. Wagner's what? 37? 36, 37? So there's like 20, year, 20 years age gap right there. Wagner taking silver at ADCC this year. But uh, that is insane that 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 nobody wants to face Ty now, right? After what they saw at ADCC. And yet, this kid is still a blue belt. And as per the regulations, he can't even fight adults yet in, in, in open tournaments. He has to go up against other 16-year-olds kind of unfair right <laughs> i feel like i feel like seth backed out of this match i feel like that he was setting this, this <laughs> match up for him and him and versus wagner and then at the, at the final hour he slotted ty in <laughs> well to, to take his place man i mean Not like cool seth. seth himself said that he can't find anybody to fight this kid wagner is the only one who stepped up and yeah that's like, what i said B- big ups to, to wagner because definitely you know he, of course he doesn't have to take the match or, or whatever and um, i'm sure um, there's a lot to, to lose, and, and I think there's a lot to gain, too. But um, So definitely big ups to him for, for doing that. He didn't have to. He's a silver medalist. When, um, when's that match happening, Hal? November 9th in Fight to Win 131 that's in right. San Francisco. Oh, San, San Francisco, too. San Francisco. I've been to that show a couple times. That's a, that's a rocking show out in San Francisco. It's usually a lot of fun. We went out to that, that one, of course, and, uh, back in the day. Always San Francisco shout, uh, crowd shows up. Interesting as well because um, Ty is is a big kid and he's growing really, really fast. He's like right in the middle of a growth spurt. And uh, he made 66 just, you know, because he was obviously an ADC reservist and, uh, and came in at the last minute as an alternate. And uh, he struggled to make 66 to compete. But uh, this match is, is at 77 kilos because apparently Kai, Ty, there's no way that he's going to be able to make 66 again. He's like, well, I mean, you just stood next to him, right? You saw how big he's he getting is. big. Yeah, yeah, right. man. Who knows? Two years, he could be eighty-eight. Like, yeah, <laughs> legit, yeah, who absolutely. knows? Yeah. You know, like he's he's a big dude. Yeah. So, Wagner as well, of course. You know, he's very famous, right? For those, um, I don't want to call them dirty tricks. People do brutal. Yes, there you go. <laughs> violent jujitsu. You 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 coined it very well one time, right? He's a a violent jujitsu evangelist, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I like that. Yeah, but. Wagner is not a dirty guy. He doesn't do anything outside of the rules. He just tests the limits as far as they can go, right? So he won't do anything that is, is illegal. And he'll just, you know, he'll make it uncomfortable, shall we say. And, um, you know, the big question mark is, of course, uh, is he going to hold anything back against somebody like Ty? What do you think? 
don't think so. He's kind of embraced the, the, the bad boy role a little bit. He loves uh, the haters, I think, out there that reject his use of the Python and, and call him a meanie. I think he likes that, so maybe he will <laughs> turn, on, turn on the a, heat. It's a, it's a part of his game, right? I think just in general. It's cool watching him go th- move through ADCC because each match, you know, he does. He, he tries to get you off your game, and he's, he's really good at it, man. You know, he's really good at, at, uh, at you know, just kind of saying the right thing when, when he needs to or, or kind of pushing you out of bounds or, or you know, talking to the, the coaches even sometimes in between there. Um, he's just so good at got, getting guys off their, off their game, you know, and I think that's a big, big part. But... What happens when, or if, let's say, Wagner gets the back, puts on the python, <laughs> that body triangle with the hand over the mouth, that smother choke that he does. And let's remember the Thai 16 years old. <laughs> hey, is, Thai I signed mean, up for it. He knows, what he, he knows what he's doing. Well, but okay, but maybe you know, assume responsibility on his part. But what about everybody else? Is the jiu-jitsu community going to collectively collectively lose their shit when that happens? Like, is Wagner going to get yeah. an even worse reputation than he already has? Like, what are the ramifications here? They'll for sure freak out. But I, I asked those people this: like, that actually doesn't hurt Ty at all. The Python is merely uncomfortable, and yeah, it sucks. I've had people do it to me, and it does make you angry in that moment. Like, I hate you. Like, <laughs> but is it really worse than if Wagner goes for say a heel hook, yeah. which actually could damage someone's knee? Like, Python is strictly attacking your ego it's not gonna hurt you so i think it's all right no it's a good point it is yeah. a good point it yeah. is not a damaging move right it doesn't not gonna end somebody's career speaking of the heel hooks that, that it was one area that, that if anything you know that, that there was a hole in ty's game earlier this year were the the leg locks right Ooh, because he true. lost at both the east coast adcc trials and the west coast adcc trials via sure. heel hook and one of them was pretty bad, right? I remember he got carried off the mat. East Coast one was was pretty bad, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he was young enough, able to bounce back. Do you think that he's addressed that in his training? Because I mean, we didn't really see any issues there at ADCC, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think he, he didn't really go up against a pure um, leg locker or somebody with, with high leg lock, high level leg locks. I mean, Paolo's got, got good leg locks for sure. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that that's remains to be seen if he's if he's cleaned that up um, enough or not. I, you know, but obviously he looked he looked great at ADCC. He had some offensive leg locks of his own. That picture with Paolo is iconic. One that is going to go down in history. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's a good good question. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure we had got the answer to that um, at ADCC. But. I mean, Wagner has got leg locks. We've seen him tap people out with leg locks in the past. He's not a leg locker in the traditional sense he's yeah. not one of those you know hyper focused guys uh but he certainly has leg attacks and he's used them so but hey anything can happen right who his, knows his match with Ken- kennedy was super sick too and um i think he was he was probably seconds away from from winning that match if he didn't get get caught in the um in the um choke there but that was a really really great match too even even in defeat i love the way the tide dives on those dust chokes yeah i really do yeah he's got fantastic he's got pretty long arms for his build right so he manages to to wrap them up but um moving on from the uh from the teenagers and the super fights and let's talk a little bit about a uh, huge standout moment from last weekend and that is in brazil in sao paulo the bjj stars tournament it was the eight-man invitational tournament nicholas marigali Coming out on top, submitting Gustavo Batista in the final with a Kimura, beating along the way Lucas Hulk Barboza and Victor Hugo to win that. Putting in our pound for pound rankings, Merigali as the number one black belt in the world. Agree or disagree? 
First time uh, Vushesh has been dethroned since we had the rankings in place, I believe. But you didn't answer my question. I agree. <laughs> you agree? I'm Why? With it. Why? What's the what, what's the what's the logic behind that? Because, like you say, Bouchesh has always been number one pound for pound in our rankings. So, what was it that put Marigali above him based on that weekend? Well, I think there's a, always been an issue of frequency. The rankings are tough because you know prestige goes a long way. You win worlds, you should be at the top. But Bouchesh kind of competes once a year in the gi, really. And you know we, he did do a. A super fight earlier in the year, but it's very, very infrequent. Marigali won Worlds impressively with a submission, and uh, you could argue maybe that his performance overall was a little bit more impressive than Bouchesh's run at Worlds, obviously debatable. But then he comes out again, and, and just a few months later, takes on top competition, wins with submissions, wins convincingly. Why not? Let's let's shake it up a little bit. Like, to me, you can't just rest on your laurels and be number one, number one, number one by winning one tournament a year. Like, I would like to reward people that are extremely active and taking on tough challenges, not just winning kind of, you know, gimme super fights or something like that. This was a really hard tournament at BJJ Stars, and Marigali shined. So, And taking out Gustavo Batista, who's the, the current middle heavyweight world champion, taking out Lucas Hulk Barboza, who's the previous year's world champion, uh, those are two extremely highly ranked guys, very, very tough, obviously. And um, and it also it goes back to the question, right, Reed, about how winning the absolute division doesn't automatically make you pound for pound it certainly puts you up there in the estimations of, of becoming pound pound for pound number one but if the absolute was the only measure of success in that then that would completely shut out every single lightweight guy in the game right for sure for sure definitely um you know i think the absolute division definitely is a big indicator of course you know um but it's where we can see a lot of these guys in different weight classes and go up head to head um but definitely marigali um you know we're big fans of him here. We've been following him for, for a while, and, and it's impossible not to be impressed with, with what he does, and especially over the weekend. We know we know very well how tough Gustavo Batista is. You know, like he, Gustavo Batista has had also an incredible year. And I, I can't remember really too many guys beating him this I year. I can't remember him Losing. getting submitted. Yeah, and then, and, yeah, getting submitted. So, like, um, Gustavo is definitely, you know, he's had an incredible year. So for, for Marigali to go out there and do what he did against a guy of that caliber and a guy of Hulk's caliber as well. We all know how tough Hulk is. I think he's maybe four or five or something in, in the um, pound for pound list. Um, but taking out both those guys in there, you know, you also had Leandro Lowe in, in that tournament. So it was a very, very tough tournament. Um, you know, I've definitely... No problem with um, him being the number one one guy. I think um, you know it, it puts a target on his back. So that, <laughs> that's that's cool. As if he didn't have him big enough as it is, right? Because yeah. uh, there's definitely no love lost for Merigali. He's definitely um, he's upset a lot of people along the way. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's um, the fact that Merigali wins and that he does so, and he's quite vocal. You know, afterwards, a lot of people don't like that. They think it's disrespectful, but it's also a lot of it as well is his association uh, with his coach, you know, Mario Hayes. Um, a lot of people hate Mario Hayes and they, they, they just despise everything about him on principle because he's also a very vocal kind of guy. And, you know, uh, they they basically, they ruffle a lot of feathers, let's put it that way. So, um, but I do think, I do think that, um, you know, it, it's tough to, uh, for, for Marigali, I think, to, to really... I think it'll be tough for Marigali to really um, adopt a, the, the number one best gi player, you know, in jiu-jitsu without having beaten Bouchesha. Because Bouchesha yes. 
is the guy, you know, like, and, and yeah. he has been the top of our rankings, you know, for a long, for a while, for good reason. Yeah. He is the absolute champion. He's the ultra heavyweight champion. Um, and it, I guess what, what they fought in 2018, they fought in 20 or, um, Marigali's never fought Bouchesha. No, no, they fought in the absolute and it was a great fought, match. Fought, yeah, oh, absolute. I'm sorry. They did. Yeah. 2018 worlds. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Bouchesha uh, did kind of, kind of Yeah, in, in that's that right. Match. And it was 2018. But you know, Hey, I'm yes. going to play devil's advocate here because you remember that match and you remember there was that moment, the restart with the half guard position. And there was like a, there was a huge kind of question mark about the grips that they used to restart. And, Mm-hmm. Bouchesha restarted with these specific set of grips that enabled him to immediately sweep and kind of it was a big turning point for the match. But yeah, yeah, that was a great match. So I I'd love that. to run it back. That's yeah, I mean, that's, exactly. That's, which yeah. is why I want to see that. There's only again. there's only yeah. one one way to 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 definitively really find out. You know, who, see him go who, exactly who, who's better, and and I think that's you know put those two guys on the mats together and uh, kombach. You know, let's see, <laughs> let's see how it goes. Let's do uh, it. So hopefully, you know, 2020 is just around the corner. Um, you know, geese season. We're getting ready for the geese season. Uh, you know, I feel like. Yeah, we had a good run in the no-gi, but I feel like always after a good no-gi season, people are, are that much more excited about a gi season. So hopefully when that gi season comes around, all these guys uh, throw down. I'm excited for it. Yeah, and like one of our commenters uh, said here in the live chat, is that it's not just how, it's not just that Marigali wins, it's how he wins True. as well, right? And that is that is key. Like, I just checked the stats real quick, and that's only the second time in his black belt career that Gustavo Batista has ever been submitted. That's that's a big deal. That guy never... You really see him in a bad position, let alone see him get tapped out. So it's incredible. Yeah, we talked a little bit last week with Gordon, you know, and he was complimentary of, of um, some of the things that... Something that, of a little bromance going on there on Instagram like lately, it, right? right? What yeah. is going on there? They, they do seem like they're going back and forth a little bit. Gordon being extremely complimentary of Marigali's jiu-jitsu, and that's rare because, you know, Gordon's usually the first one to point out about how other much other people suck <laughs> he's like oh yeah that guy doesn't know a single jujitsu move and blah 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 blah. so yeah they have a little kinship i mean <laughs> gordon gordon said it best i think um at, at least uh succinctly he said you know marigali calls a shot and then he goes out and kills people and gordon respects that he loves mm-hmm. a person that's confident but can back it up and i think it, everyone likes that it's when people are cocky and can't back it up where you know have some feelings are hurt and, and not everyone responds the same way. But let me ask you guys this. Which match would you like to see more? Marigali versus Bouchesha or Marigali versus Keenan? Three-way. Just to put them all three <laughs> on the mat at the same time and see. <laughs> Last man standing. <laughs> uh, man, that's a tough question. I honestly... I don't have a preference. Give me either. You want to see both. Give me I want to see yeah, both. Yeah. I mean, I want to see that Bouchesh match. You know, we saw that a year ago or a year and a half ago now almost at, at World Championships. And uh, it was 5-2 for Bouchesha. He scored, you know, it was a sweep each and then he scored a pass as well. And uh, I, I'd love to see that happen again for sure. But the Keenan match, the Keenan match was like, it was such a wild match. That one worm guard sweep that earned Keenan the two points was the decisive factor. But Marigali had like, 10 advantages was just going after him with submission after submission but you're, after but submission. you're also forgetting the, um, in, in the Bouchesha Marigali match where, where Bouchesha had like the neon neck on, I don't on, I didn't forget on that. Marigali no, I didn't forget and then, that and then, and then, and then Bouchesha was like pointing at Leandro like in the corner he was, he, was you, like, yeah, he was like he was like he was like talking to Leandro while the match was still going on you know that's like a signature move Bouchesha addressing the crowd like mid-match no, oh, yeah. when he says yeah. that I only I do my talking on the mats he literally he means it he literally means it yeah yeah because Bouchesha doesn't like saying anything on camera, right? We've interviewed him uh, countless certainly times. certainly a lot different than, than, you know, Gordon, per se. 
Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Puchesha is quite the opposite. He, he he says it over and over and over. He's like, I don't like to talk in interviews. I don't like to talk shit. I don't like to say anything. So I just want to let my jujitsu do the talking. And when he does, wow, he says a lot, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I'll answer your question, though. I think I'm a little bit more interested in the Keenan uh, rematch. Intrigued to yeah. see what would happen again, yeah. huh? Yeah, just because that one was so technical, and, and it was like... I feel like it was like five matches in, in one match, you know, just because there were so many things that happened, I feel like. And it was like the way Keenan broke it down and everything, it, you really got to see exactly what happened at every moment of the match. So I'd really love to see how that one runs back again. Well, we may, may see that happen again soon. We're not sure, to be honest, because, you know, we're, uh, we're still waiting for the rest of the names to be announced. But this leads nicely into uh, a little discussion about an upcoming event that we have on Flow Grappling, November 23rd in Seoul, in South Korea. Chase, you're going to be taking that long, long flight over to South Korea, and you're going to be going to the Spider BJJ Championship Final, right? That's right. It's my second time, my third time in Korea, second time at a Spider event. And if you guys haven't watched any of these, they are absolutely phenomenal. It's some of the best production I've ever seen. Uh, a lot of money on the line this time. There's $100,000 per division. There are two divisions. We got a 100, uh, 100 kilos and below. And wait, wait, wait. I, I think that is literally, that is the biggest payday that we've ever heard of in jiu-jitsu. It's a quarter of a million dollar prize fund for only two black belt divisions they've got an eight man lightweight under 76 and a, a heavyweight under 100 kilos and in total they're giving away 250,000 US dollars pretty nice right let's do it very nice um, the, the cast hasn't been fully revealed yet but we have guys like Marigoli Keenan uh, Rodolfo have all been sort of hinted at. All right, let, let, let's bring it up. Let's see let, who, who are the names. Who have we got? Who we got? We got them right let's here. Go. So for the under 76, we've got Mateus Gabriel, Edwin Najmi, Levi Jones Leary, Jamil Hill, Jonathan Alves, and Mateus Lutz. Man, what a, a that's fresh a hell of a lineup. Yeah, what just like a fresh lineup of new, exciting, wow. young, the guys who are like mixing it up, Levi, Edwin, uh, Mateus Gabriel, of course, world champion, uh, Jamil, of course, world champion. So I love that that list. It's not even everybody there, but it, already that it's like gets me pumped. That is huge. Yeah, you're right. There you've got two IBJJF world champions. Levi, of course, European and Pan champion this year as well. Jonathan, Al Jonathan Alves is uh, is kind of a new black belt, right? But he's already been making waves. Brown belt world champion. Levi's a brown belt world oh, champion. Well, don't spider forget, champ. He so. is yeah. spider champ last year. And, and as a brown belt at spider, he beat both Paolo Miao and Jamil Hill. So he has some pretty big wins. Mateus Lutz, the only colored belt in that division right now. That's a good thing about Spider. They mix it up, right? Even in the qualifiers, they even have purple belts. The purple, brown, and black together. But Mateus has a brown belt fighting through. And Edwin Najmi. I mean, we always love watching Edmund. Edwin go, right? Mm -hmm. It's so exciting. And then check this out. This is the heavyweight lineup so far. Bear in mind, this is only uh, we only got six guys in each division right now because Spider actually they're in the process of rolling out the names. They're rolling out these guys uh, every day. They're announcing another four names: two guys in the lightweight, two guys in the heavyweight. So we'll find out a couple more names soon. But in the over one, excuse me, in the under one hundred kilogram uh, division, we've got Kainan Duarte, Leandro Lowe, Anderson Muniz, Tim Spriggs, Claudio Calasanz. And the news dropped today, the return, the man himself, Adolfo Vieira. Sick. Woo! Goosebumps. <laughs> 
Super sick. Love the Hadolfo. You know, he's in the gi. In the gi. In the gi. He's got his MMA career that's that's doing really well. Just had a win in the UFC, but love that he's he's coming back and doing some more grappling matches and, and things like that. You know, 100K can uh, can bring out the best in a lot of us. So, all right, so. you guys want to know something crazy about Hadolfo? So, sure. After he won ADCC in 2015, he basically retired from grappling for semi-retired. He took a hiatus to focus on uh, his MMA career. He actually had to take care of like, had a back surgery and then uh, and went into MMA where he's uh, 6-0 and and signed with the UFC. It's going pretty well for him, right? The last time we saw him compete in the Gi was he came back last year, 2018, to compete in, a, compete in a, an invitational event called the Black Belt CBD. And he beat Muhammad Ali, who was the world champion that year. And he also beat Kit Dale. So that was the first time that he put on the Gi since 2014. Wow. So this is only the second time we've seen Hodolfo in the Gi in five years. And he's coming back to go up against Leandro Lowe, Spriggs, Calasans. And the 2019 IBJJF world champion, the 2019 ADCC champion, you name it. He's a guy champion everything. World pro, European, pan, etc., etc., etc. Kainan Duarte. Kainan's so, so sick. Good. Kainan versus Rodolfo is like dream match of the, of Let's the year. Let's run it. it Let's is run literally, Kainan versus Rodolfo. Let's do it. It's <laughs> literally, it's a fantasy match. That's the kind of thing that you like. You could take a guy from one generation and another and put them together. You'd think that a match like that would almost never happen. It could happen November 23rd at Spider BJJ. Cross our fingers, huh? Just, <laughs> just a month away. A month away from today, basically. So, And let's not forget... A couple more names still to be added there, too. There are two more names to be added in that one and two more names to be added in the under-76. And, you know, we've heard, let's say, some rumors about the names that could be added to this. And we have a rough idea, but they're still not confirmed. So we'll hold off on saying anything yet. But I mean, we did transition from talking about Keenan Marigali into this. <laughs> but, but we don't know for sure if they're going to We don't know for sure. Chase already said Keenan and Marigali. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything for sure. <laughs> That's how we started. But, you know, potentially keep, keep these divisions could get even spicier. They mm. could get even better. But let's talk about another significant match in this under 100 kilogram division as well. Because I want to see this badly. I want to see the, re, the rematch here. Kynan versus Leandro. Mm. It was the final of the IBJJF heavyweight division, the world championships, and Kynan beat Leandro for the world title, the gold medal. And we're not accustomed to seeing Leandro lose. You know, he definitely hasn't had the same level of performances this year and last that he's been accustomed to. Multiple-time world champion for Kynan to come in and to take that title. Very, very big moment. Do you think that Leandro could come back and reassert himself as the number one? Man, I, I would say that's not the, the dominant storyline going into the event, but as a longtime fan of Leandro, one of the first guys I got to know when I started training, that would be the craziest and kind of epic storyline if he came back and beat Rodolfo, beat Kynan, won 100 grand. I was like, I still got it, bitches. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love, um, you know, Leandro's always fun to watch, and definitely I think beating Leandro still still means a lot. So I definitely would love to see Kynan and him run it back. Um, that was the first time they'd ever they had ever fought. It's always a little different, right? Mm-hmm. Than when when they come back for the rematch, um, I think Leandro will be more prepared for exactly what Kynan brings to the table. But hard to pick against Kynan, man. He's so good. Yeah, he is. I mean, we figured that ADCC would be the toughest test of his career, and and he showed that. You know, with flying colors, he man. really he did. He passed it with flying colors. You're yeah. right. And then came back a week later, 
to face Nick Rodriguez, the guy just that he in faced case, in the final. You, just you in case, that, yeah. You know, he wasn't the real deal. <laughs> if you if you had any doubts whatsoever, it took him like two minutes and fifteen seconds to silence it with a submission win over Nick Rodriguez. I believe that's the first guy to ever tap Nick Rodriguez out. I think it's the first guy to tap him. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Eighteen months into into his jujitsu career, because I I feel bad for Kylan because he put in all that work this year. He won Euros, Pans, World Pro. Worlds, Marianas Open, ADCC, bunch of super fights, putting in non-stop work. The guy is a workhorse. He competes so much. He won multiple Grand Slams. He competed in King of Mats. He did so much. Yeah, he had the, he had the, the small little slip up in, in Brasileiros, but like that was basically he just competed every tournament out there. He went from competing in Abu Dhabi, won the world champ with a world pro there, and then five days later was in Brazil to compete at the at the Brazilian Nationals, which is one of the toughest tournaments in the world. And he got submitted by Marigali. But that was like on a I mean, what kind another of one I want to see that, again right? too. Mm. Marigali versus Kainan. But Kainan, I feel like even all that, it's almost like the loss to Lachlan overshadowed his accomplishment in winning ADCC, right? Mm. Because he won ADCC, and then the first round match in the absolute division, he gets taken out taken out by a guy that lost first round in the 77 kilogram division I disagree I don't think it took anything away from Kynan but it certainly elevated Lachlan like that's how I'm thinking about it Lachlan, well, no doubt but I mean La- Kynan's story didn't change for me at all like he won, he won ADCC he beat Fushesha you know uh, looked great against Nicky Rod and so on you know Lachlan has a separate story of taking out these monsters and I just I don't know it didn't, didn't detract anything from, from Kynan for me I think kind of still walks away a legend fr- from that tournament, especially winning the over ninety nine, taking out Bouchesha. Like he's he's got a lot of accomplishments there. That I think he'd be the smallest guy in that division. Yeah, I've one off. Yeah, yeah. I mean he didn't look too small, but uh, <laughs> compared to Orlando though, yeah, yeah, and yeah, Nicky yeah. Rod and those guys, yeah, <laughs> I don't know he still looked pretty beefy. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, my man, I mean Kynan, a Kynan Leandro rematch would be would be insane. I'd love to see Kynan go up against somebody like Adolfo Vieira in the gi. I think that would be a freaking animal match that would just be two just intense physical grapplers going at it i think that's a that's a, a mouth-watering match right there tim spriggs never in a never in a boring match so he's up there and also of a spider uh winner he won the qualifier he did, earlier yeah this year. let's not let's not sleep on that he Beating beat Calisans. Calisans in the final and mateus right? and he's and hudson mateus is probably a performance of a lifetime for for tim spriggs in some ways because all sick. those guys are, are huge names in the sport and, and tim came through and, and kind of looked phenomenal so and anderson muniz is the only brown belt in this division we yeah, mentioned yeah. about how mateus lutz is the brown belt in the lightweight division uh anderson muniz is the light is the, the only color belt in this uh under 100 kilogram division Something of a wild card, shall we say, right? Man, Anderson is going to be a problem for a lot of these guys, I think. You know, we've, we've watched him from in, at Purple Belt, Brown Belt now, um, and I think he could really spell a lot of trouble for, for any one of those guys, to be honest. I mean, obviously, he's still Brown Belt, he's still on the come up, you know, but, um, but man, I think a couple of years, too, once, once he graduates to Black Belt, he's going to give a lot of I guys mean, he problems. He won Worlds this year at Brown Belt, I yep. think, took double gold. Um, no, his brother took double gold. Du- Eric Moniz took there double gold. Yeah. Those Monizes, they, they keep They're easy to me. confuse, yeah. But he did also <laughs> do extremely well in Spider. Uh, Anderson holds a bronze medal match uh-huh. over Mateus Denise, and then uh, he beat Roberto Jimenez earlier in that same tournament. Yeah, he lost to Kynan in that tournament by, like, uh, if I remember correctly, he was maybe even winning on advantages, and Kynan hit this sick 
sick throw like right in the last like 10 seconds or something of the match like this huge kind of um almost like a a tayatoshi style but with the underhook it was like a beautiful hip throw he's stepping across the legs and just sent anderson flying so that's kind of that's another rematch i'd like to see right there anderson for for people who haven't seen him compete anderson's what six four maybe six five he's huge yeah Yeah, absolutely definitely big guy he's really really tall very very lanky um and he loves the lasso hook, as you can imagine. And he puts that lasso in, and guys are just stuck. And they're, they're like, good, good at that. Buck. They're good at that, uh, that worm, worm guard stuff, that lapel guard stuff, too. They, they mess around with that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him and his brother, Eric, uh, for those who don't know, and there's actually three of them. There's Alex Muniz as well. Alex is a middleweight. I believe Eric usually does heavyweight, and Anson does super heavyweight, although they kind of can change division sometimes. But... um yeah, they say that Eric is is actually uh, well. He's definitely, if you look at the results as well, he's the more consistent. He won double gold at Europeans this year, double gold at Pans this year, double gold at Brazilian Nationals this year, and double gold at Worlds this year. I believe he's so the he's only brown belt at Grand Slam. Pretty good, I guess. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's all right. Yeah, Eric Muniz is one. These Muniz brothers—they're both training at Alliance's Dream Art Project in Sao Paulo now as well. And pretty a lot of sick killers out there for sure. Well, keep an eye on Flow Grappling to. Uh, to see the the further announcements because we've got two more guys to come in the 100 kilogram and two more guys to come in the under 76 and uh, I'm sure that it'll only add to the interest of that right there Um, guys there's one other big thing that happened this week that we have to have to have to talk about and that is last night we had the live premiere world first of the mikey musumechi documentary read kick us off what was that absolutely about? guys first of all thank you guys for for tuning in watching making this our most successful new guard uh ever you know mikey musumechi uh went out there and uh premiered last night um got been getting a lot of great feedback so just wanted to give a shout out to everybody who watched it who took the time to uh to check it out thank you guys for for watching um, really, really appreciate that. Definitely let us know what, what you thought about it. But, uh, you know, man, I don't know. I've kind of said a, a lot about, about this Mikey movie. I'm very excited to see it go out and, and, uh, and have a life of its own outside, um, you know, outside these these dark rooms that I've been watching it in for, for a while. <laughs> um, and just excited to see it. I feel like people are, are digging it. People are, are into it. And, uh, you know, talked to Mikey today. He was really excited about, about how it came out and everything like that. So, oh, oh, man, I, I'm glad because uh, I, I, I got to say, such an interesting and unique story. You know, the only American to become a three-time IBJJF Black Belt World man. Champion. It's, yeah, it's I, I told Mikey, you know, man, it's like incredible to be to be a fly on the wall you know to be kind of um you know just off to the side ho- holding the camera for some of these just life-changing moments well in- you were there for every moments. one of those mm-hmm. every one of those black belt world championships that he won you were right there from that side right yeah yeah after each one i ran over and and got a quick little in- interview um at least after every one of his his world championship wins um so yeah like i told me you know just witnessing that the things that mikey's been able to accomplish and and just his perspective that the type of person personality that he has he's a guy that you just it's he's impossible not to root for um he has such a great attitude uh, on jiu-jitsu a real positive um attitude and and um 
yeah, it was, it was special, a really special thing. Always, definitely, the the end of the, of the documentary gets me always a little emotional. But seeing the way, uh, you know, him and Tammy I- interact with each other, and and this kind of like fulfillment of a lifelong dream. These guys have been working towards towards um, standing on the podium together. You know, they did s- it since they, since they were four or five years old. You know, and to see them kind of realize this dream and to and to capture the, them realizing this dream, it was uh, first time incredible. we ever saw a black belt brother and sister win the world championship in the same year yeah. right that's phenomenal and it couldn't have happened to to two better people two harder workers you know two people who, who represent the sport of jiu-jitsu um you know as 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 well as anybody else you know these these two two tammy and mikey are two of the the best people i think we've, we've met um in, in this sport so yeah they've been super welcoming throughout all of our all of our content and stuff we've been working with them for years i i had one criticism of the film though as i was Let's watching it, it. Go so on so Tammy says at one point uh, in her interview, you know, oh, Mikey, you know, you look at him, he wasn't going to be that great. People are like, ah, oh, he's not going to do much. And then we roll clips of Mikey just killing kids over and over. I'm like, who's saying Mikey's not going to be great? He looks, <laughs> he looks amazing. He's the, like seven years old when out he, there. When he's yeah. a kid, seven years old, he yeah. looks like a little Hercules, doesn't yeah, exactly. he? Yeah. Like, yeah. Look, who's he looks, saying this kid's not going to be great? <laughs> yeah, he looked <laughs> like a idiot. beast back in the day. Yeah, That was awesome. I've been waiting uh, six months to, to hear Mikey <laughs> tell me that speech about the disembodied experience. Uh, out of body oh, experience yeah. at Worlds because Reed told me about this you know Reed came back from the shoot of March and he was like man <laughs> this interview with Mikey was insane and we got all this great stuff and he had this moment where he talks about leaving Blocking his out. body and yeah. watching the match from the stands and I, I just I wanted to hear I wanted to hear Mikey tell that story and it was it, so cool it, it right about awesome. how he's yeah. like he's like blacked out in the middle of his match and he just kind of comes back around and he's like he's got the guy's back and is like oh look at that and he's like watching himself from the stands that'd be a hard way to do jiu-jitsu (laughs) that'd be really confusing I gotta say though I really enjoyed that part of the documentary I mean I enjoyed the whole thing but I enjoyed that part of the documentary a lot where he's talking about the uh, the kind of the interplay between the conscious and the subconscious mind in jiu-jitsu because I think that's one thing that a lot of people um maybe overlook in in jiu-jitsu is that it's an extremely physical art of course you know it's grappling you gotta you gotta grab and pull and push and twist and so on and uh it's it's you know it's physically very demanding and we know that jiu-jitsu is a very cerebral activity and it's called physical chess for a reason but there is a an inner game to jiu-jitsu right and i think that the top guys in the sport a lot of them have this edge because they're able to do something internally something you know in their own minds that sets them apart from the competition and it's not just going out there and being stronger it's not just being faster it's not just having a better strategy for the techniques that are in front of you but it's about putting yourself into going to a place mentally where you're able to operate at the highest level and i think what mikey's description of that moment there is kind of what people talk about is like the flow state right about about unconsciously performing to the highest level it's like you hear about this in other activities you hear it about for example the surfer catching the wave about how it's that mindless moment of just being completely in control of your body but almost watching it from the outside everything just happens naturally and you just ride the wave off or the musician who you know after years and years of deliberate practice sits down and they play this incredibly complicated complex piece of music perfectly without hitting a single bad note but they're not actually thinking about doing it while they do it it just flows from within and it's almost it's almost like what mikey was talking about in his world championship performance it's almost like that he was able to put himself in this 
optimal state of performance where the jiu-jitsu just came out and it won him those matches and then when he wins that's when boom back down to earth and that he runs over to Kyle and he's like i did it i did it <laughs> no, i think watching that part you know over and over and over again it really it makes a lot of at first i was just like so enamored with with like the um excuse me with just how how big he was talking you know and, and just these, these crazy things that i was like whoa this is in, intense but listening to him talk about it over and over again you know as i watched the the clips and stuff it really just made a lot more sense to me really it really started to, to make like like perfect sense actually you know and especially because you know competition can be a really super intense mm -hmm. stressful you know thing you know your heart beating fast there's i mean I, i've never, especially a world championship final you know that the, the stress the anxiety I can't the, even imagine. The, the you know the intensity of the moment you know it, it, a lot of times competing even just on small local tournaments it, it has this kind of surreal feeling to it sometimes you know where you have this kind of hyper focus and the adrenaline's kicking and everything it's such a weird come down for for the amateur to when they're done competing like for myself like when i leave a tournament I feel like I've left like a concert, something like like a like a rave. I don't know. It's like the weirdest feeling. You don't really feel like you're all there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like exactly. exhilarated and a little bit spaced, and yeah. And 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 what you're talking about, you know, that maybe a lot of these guys ha have an edge, and and I think that you know, I think it's collectively everybody feels that, and and you have to try to deal with it. You have to try to find a way to deal with the, the things that your that your mind is doing, and you know, you know the the self doubt or, or whatever you have running through your, through your head. You know, you have to deal with those emotions or, or those negative things or, or whatever. Ever, you have to deal with the moment in some way and uh, hearing Mikey you know be like no I literally shut off my mind you know and um, I took it very literally at, at first but just I don't know hearing him talk about it over and over it, it made a lot more sense to me as the um, as we went on I learned a that lot from sense. that documentary I have to say and, and I, one of the biggest things I, I, I also took away from it was um, how hard it hit him you know when he won his first world championships and he was booed by the crowd and and that was a really heartbreaking moment because you know we f for anybody to be in that position and to get booed by the crowd is uh it's got to suck right and it's simple as that you know it must be a really you know tough moment to deal with but i don't think i appreciated how much it affected mikey you know at the time and 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 not just in the moment but for months and months afterwards and i mean what do you think, Reed? Because he said there that he, he, he was literally close to quitting jujitsu. Do you yeah. think that's right? Yeah, I think this is a really pivotal moment in, in the film and in, in Mikey's career. You know, I mean, obviously, this is you're winning the world championships, Black Belt World Championships. He's worked his entire life for it. It's supposed to be the happiest moment of his life. Um, and, and you know, the, the rug kind of gets pulled out from underneath him. And I, I think it has a lot to do with, with um, you know accomplishing your goals and and then kind of being like oh wait you know now what's next you know you know or, or accomplishing your goals and maybe them not being as fulfilling as you thought they they would once you reached those those goals you know i think that that happens to a lot of athletes happens to a lot of people where where um they they you know finally achieve the greatness or they achieve the thing they've been working their entire life for and it's not quite as fulfilling as maybe they expected it to be or, or they wanted it to be. Um, so maybe it's a little bit of that, but I definitely, you know. Well, to have such a negative association with what should be exactly. such a special memory as exactly. well, it, it could leave a really bad taste in your mouth because 
Mikey has dedicated almost his entire life to this. He's been training since he was like four years of age and to, you know, become a black belt world champion at such a young age after winning every single other belt color along the way for his first black belt world title, for him to get booed by the crowd. And the reasons for him being booed are still kind of unclear, right? Still not really sure why. You know, was it because he was repping AOJ? Was it because he beat Meow? It's like, who, who's, who's, who knows is the answer. But... Um, yeah, I'm just glad that he was able to. The world can be a, a raucous crowd sometimes. Too, they get pretty right? rowdy. Yeah. It can be, yeah, they they get get a rowdy crowd. Yeah, you know, I don't think you know. Obviously, it affected Mikey quite a bit, and and um, I think he just needed to find that passion, passion again. And, and luckily for all of us, he, he was able to re- rekindle and and. Um, you know, go on and, and win two more world titles. He's only 23 years old, people. Well, yeah. That's the best win. way to wash the bad taste out of your mouth. Go back and win it, not just once, but twice more. <laughs> <laughs> Be in prime position to do it for the next 10 years or more. I mean, exactly. he's so young. I mean, if he wants Crazy. to, right? I, I kind of, at this point in time, I struggle to see anybody uh, coming in and, and offering a, a real tough challenge to, to Mikey. I mean, there are a few guys coming through the divisions. You know, you've got a couple of standout guys Talison Suarez is one. You know, he's uh, just got his black belt this year after being one of the most dominant color belts we've ever seen, and he's going to be a really nice addition to the black belt roosterweight roosterweight rankings uh, or roosterweight division next year, I should say. Um, Jonas Andrade, who's also from uh, Cicero Costa Stroke Unity, uh, competes a lot as a light feather, but he also cuts down to rooster as well for the big big tournaments. Uh, he could be another guy. So th- there are a few of them I feel that could go in there and and offer Mikey something. And these are also very, very young athletes as well. But um, we'll see, right? Yeah, that's the best part about this. I keep saying that uh, this is sort of chapter one mm. of, of, uh, of Mikey's career here. You know, yeah, in 10 years, we'll see, you know, how many world titles he's racked up and, and what the rest of, of Mikey's story um, unfolds because we definitely know it's going to continue. And, and I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of um, great moments to come that we can capture as well. So who knows? Maybe we'll see uh, chapter two pretty soon. I hope so. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, I think it's a, uh, a fine time to call it right there. But uh, thanks for joining us once again. It's been a, a really cool episode today. Um, I got to say, man, I'm so excited. Spider BJJ is coming up. We've got a bunch of fight to wins coming up. We've got fight to win this weekend with uh, 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 Talita Ankar versus Catherine Perret in the uh, in the main event. We've also got Izaki Bayens versus Dante Leon. That's a crazy match I'm super excited for. Uba Santos is back on fight to win in a couple of weeks in um, November 3rd. Uh, excuse me, November 2nd in Denver, I believe. We've got the Long Beach Open on November 3rd. Um, we've got Spider BJJ on November 23rd. Uh, we've got Third Coast Grappling in December. We've got Nogi World Championships. we just got event after event after event just, after event over and, the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we all, all these great events, but also on Flow Grappling, we got some killer content. Never have we had this, this much great content coming out on Flow Grappling, these great videos like Mikey Musumeshi. We got a bunch more planned in the works. So uh, definitely don't sleep on this content we got coming out either. It's going to be some sick stuff. It's never been a better time to be a Flow Grappling subscriber. Yep, that's right. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks very much for joining us once again, and we'll see you next time.